The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. God's word is good, it is flawless, it is perfect. And so let's pray to prepare us as we uh, read the scriptures uh, together now. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We are thankful that they are flawless, perfect, pure in every way. Father, we do pray that you will do that refining work in us as we read, that we wouldn't just hear your word and just go out the other ear, but that it would change us and help us uh, live in service and honour of you. Be with us, we pray in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is from John chapter 13, starting at verse 1, and you'll find that on page 874 in your church Bibles. John chapter 13, starting at verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew he was going, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put in his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I am not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I I am who I am. Very truly I tell you. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. This morning passage, John chapter 13, start with the phrase, Now before 
the festival of the Passover. That was Thursday night before Good Friday. Jesus gathered his, with his disciples to eat the feast of the Passover, which is the most important Jewish feast on the calendar. The Passover festival was to commemorate the Exodus when God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. It was a very festive occasion. Sometimes, something like our current Thanksgiving or Chinese New Year. Family and friends were gathered for this most special meal. Jesus knew that his hour had come. He was well aware that the time of his crucifixions was approaching quickly. He was well aware of the suffering he would endure and the great sacrifice he would make. The disciples would soon be scattered, left alone with their thoughts. They would be afraid, confused, and uncertainty of the future. He was about to leave them and return to heaven as Jesus prepared himself for the cross the next day. He wanted his disciples to understand what it meant to follow him. John chapters 13 to 17 records Jesus' teachings to his disciples on that night. And John chapter 14 to 16, Jesus would teach his disciples about the challenges ahead and their call to bring the gospel to the hostile world. But he began by helping them to understand what he would do for them on the cross in chapter 13. Second half of verse 1 says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Despite knowing that the disciples would soon abandon him, his own people would yell, crucify him, and that Gentile courts would fail him. Jesus loved them until the very end, even though his own in the passage specifically referred to the disciples in the larger context of the New Testament, his own also refers to all of humanities for who Christ died once and for all. That is in First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Foot washing. We have to remember that the people in those days walked wherever they went and there was dust, dirt, droppings and done everywhere on the ground. People wore sandals or no shoes at all. And so when they arrived at their destination, there was usually a slave to wash the feet of the arrival guests. Washing of feet was the lowest job imaginable. It was so low on the skill of jobs that Jewish slaves were not required to do it. Only foreign slaves wash guests' feet. So there was a problem. 
There was no slave around to wash their feet. As they reclined at the table, each disciple felt a little uncomfortable. No one was there to wash their feet. Why didn't any of the disciples wash the others' feet? In Luke's version of the Last Supper, we gain some more clarity as to why none of the disciples were willing to do something. Luke chapter 22, verse 24, tells us that a dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be considered as the greatest. To each of them was thinking, if I am trying to make my case for being the greatest disciple, then surely I'm not going to be thinking about washing your feet. If I do, where will that put me on the social packing order? I would be at the bottom of the heap. If I volunteer, I would get stuck with the job from now on. Hmm, maybe I just wait. Somebody else will do it. Suddenly, Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and take a towel tied it around his waist. You can imagine the upper room filled with a deafening silence as the Son of God stooped down at the feet of each of his disciples and does for them what a Jewish slave would be offended to do. So as Jesus took off each sender of each disciple, no one knew quite what to say. But they felt deeply uncomfortable with the master serving them in this anonymous way. Astonished, Jesus' followers watched as he poured water into a basin and began to wash their feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Judas. Let's go back to verse 2 for a moment. Verse 2 says, The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. Although the disciple never grabs Judas's true nature until after the betrayal in the garden, Jesus knew it from the beginning. Jesus knew Judas's nature from the very beginning, yet he gave Judas every opportunity to turn from his wicked ways, repent, and follow his Lord. Verse 3, the Father had given all things into his hands, reminding us that Jesus was the only potent God. Rather than zapping Judas immediately, he allowed the full scenario to play out as Judas made choice after choice leading to his ultimate suicide. During the foot washing, 
When Jesus came to Judas, he knelt down and stared at the dingy, smelly feet of Judas. He peered up and their eyes met. Jesus stared into the soul of the one who would live after such a tender moment as this and betray him. Jesus knew this and washed his feet anyway. He washed the feet of his enemy and I'm sure he did it lovingly and not begrudgingly. The Lord's treatment to Judas demonstrates God's grace and passion with sinners and enemies. Christians will be known as Jesus' disciple by our unconditional love for all people. While it is easy to selectively love those who love us, it is quite another thing to unconditionally love all people, especially our enemies. If we as Christians only love those who love us and hate our enemies, then how is our love any different than the discretionary love this world has to offer? We are called to serve even those who don't love us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? To put that another way, if you serve only those who serve you, what credit is that to you? This is what non-Christians are willing to do. Significant of foot washing. Verse 3 provides a key to the profound meanings of foot washing. It reminds us that Jesus knew that God had given him authority over everyone and everything. He knew that he was Lord of heaven and earth, and yet he got down from the table and washed their feet. Jesus was no ordinary person. He is the Son of God, King of the universe. Jesus had everything under control. Whatever going to happen in the next few days was no accident. He came with a mission and would return to God when the mission was completed. A humility of Jesus. Bear in mind, this is the sovereign of the ages. God robed in human flesh. Food washing was reserved for slaves. Even Jewish servants were not expected to perform such a demeaning task. It was a work left for Gentile slaves to perform. The Son of God, Savior of the world, sovereign of the world, rose and assumed the position of a slave. In doing so, our Lord taught 
a profound lesson in humility. Can you imagine the thoughts that must have ran through the disciples' minds? They witnessed the Lord himself, the Master and Redeemer, the King of glory, bound to wash their feet. What a lesson in humility. Love of Jesus. It is important to note that Jesus was about to die a horrific death within just a few hours. A death that was so troubling to him that he bent up over double in Gethsemane with blood like sweat pouring to the ground. And yet what was foremost in his mind before he walked to Gethsemane was showing his disciples how much he loved them. That is extraordinary. If I was heading to my death, I would be in too much personal turmoil to have time to think of anyone or anything else. Men on death row often have their special favorite food specially prepared for them as a final meal. And the chance to have counseling with a priest on that day they die. But Jesus gathered his closest friend for a special meal where he would wash their feet and calm their fears and tell them how much he loved them. And if you add to that the fact that Judas was also at this Last Supper, Jesus knew that Judas was about to betray him, yet he washed his feet and shared the meal with him. The specific way Christ demonstrated his love in this famous scene was to get down from the table and wash their feet. See, Jesus came to serve. Jesus loved us. There is literally nothing Jesus won't do for his people. There's nothing too difficult. There is nothing too demeaning. There is nothing too disgusting that Jesus will not do in order to express his love for his own. Jesus could have told someone else to perform the menial task of washing feet. He could even have summoned an angel, but not Jesus. He did it himself. He took it upon himself to serve others by washing their feet. Seeing nobody rose to the occasion and Jesus was there at the final meal, it was the night before he was going to die an excruciating death. He looked around the room and he saw proud hearts and dirty feet. What did he do? He got up, put on a servant apron, filled a bucket with water, stooped down 
and did something that's reserved for the lowest of the low in the society. As you read through the gospel account of Jesus' life, you will see that Jesus never once ever acted selfishly. It is staggering to think that all-powerful king of the entire universe who would rightly who could rightly have demanded that everyone serve him, served others. Jesus was and is the all-powerful king who always wants to serve his people, who always does what is best for his people, even if they have not asked him to do so and don't understand what he's doing. The Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve. Sorry, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Now let's look at Peter's reactions. When Jesus came to Peter, it wasn't huge surprise that Peter blurted out what everyone else was thinking, but were too scared to say, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 6. He's not really asking a question. He's expressing bewilderment. There's no way you're going to washing my feet. Jesus, this is just embarrassing. It's wrong. Why don't we find some servant to do it? Or better still, why don't we skip washing altogether? Peter was positively mortified that Jesus would wash his dirty feet. And no doubt his instincts are honorable. But Jesus replied in a way that showed what he was doing was both essential and had a deeper meaning than just cleaning feet. You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Verse 7. The all-powerful king of the universe was acting like the lowliest slave on earth. It was astonishing. Why would Jesus do such a thing? Peter looks at Jesus and says, You will never wash my feet. Verse 8. Peter knows this is not the way the world works. Peter knows that what Jesus is doing is so contrary to everything he has ever known. Peter knows that the powerful are served by the powerless. Peter knows it was his job to wash Jesus' feet and not the other way around. Peter has a problem with grace. For grace turned the world upside down and gives honor, love, and respect when it is not earned. Grace gives love, honor, and respect when it is undeserved. 
Peter knew he didn't deserve what Jesus was doing. Peter knew that he had done nothing that would warrant Jesus' washing his feet. So Peter rejected what Jesus was doing. But Jesus replied, in verse 8, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. That took the conversation onto a deeper level. If I don't wash you, Peter, you can't be my disciple. You can't know me in any way. You can't experience the salvation I'm offering you. Jesus was clearly talking about the deeper cleansing that would take place through the cross. We cannot belong to Jesus until he has washed us in this deeper spiritual way. You need to have your sins washed away. You need to repent and receive Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. If Peter needed to be washed, then we certainly do. Peter's naive enthusiasm was in full flow by now. If he didn't let Jesus walk, if he didn't let Jesus wash his feet, he could have no part with him. So Peter goes to the another extreme. Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Verse 9. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need a wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. Verse 10. To use Jesus' metaphor, we, we have had a bath, and we don't need to have another one. The full and complete bathing depletes initial regeneration. The repeated washing symbolizes forgiveness of ongoing sinful behavior. He has forgiven my sins once and for all, but my sins still cause a strain in my relationship with him, even though I will never stop being his child. Well, you parents will recognize this with your children. However poorly your child behaves, they still remain your child, and you will always love them. Their behavior cannot change their status, but it can cause a lot of ups and downs in the relationship. The same way our ongoing sin does not change our status as God's children, but it does cause a strain in relationship. Paul says we can and do grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. And when that happens, we need to feel that dislocation in our soul. Part of growing in Christ is knowing when we have offended the Spirit and desiring to make that right. So we need to come every day, not for a bath, 
that's already happened. But for food washing, for the daily cleansing, we need as we grow closer to Jesus. Washing one another's feet. When the food washing ended, Jesus taught an important lesson about the relationship of believers. You also should wash one another's feet. Verse 14. If our Lord and teacher did not hesitate to wash our feet, how can we fail to wash one another's feet? Some interpret these passages as an ordinance by the Lord to wash each other's feet. Certainly, there can be no harm done in the literal washing of one's feet. But I believe that he is calling us to acts of humble service for other Christians. Jesus said in verse 15, For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Since Jesus loved his disciple and loved us in the same way we need to do for others what he has done for us. First, we ought to pray, Lord, wash me. Then we need to pray, Lord, help me to wash others. We will be blessed when we do this. One would think, how much blessing could there be in doing menial service? We might be programmed to think that true blessing comes only when we do something significant and get praised, so we seek to do only high and lofty things for Jesus. But in that, we fail to see the value in humble service. By washing the feet of those of inferior status, Jesus not only got the disciples' attentions, but in doing so, also taught them that their focus was not to obtain a position of power and authority, but humbly serve and love others. How dramatic would today's church be changed if only its member would not covet power, but instead seeing, loving each members as being their primary focus. How dramatic would our impact be on society if only we went from talking to humbly doing outreach in our community on our knees. To be one of Jesus' disciples means having a servant heart in both thought and action. When we come into church, are we looking to be served or are we looking for how we can serve someone else? As we Christians go through life, are we looking for how we can minister to others or are we only focused on what others can do for us? 
Are we focused on looking for opportunity to serve? This morning, ask ourselves, in what ways can we be a selfless, humble servant? Especially in this very difficult moment of CZAC's history. In conclusion, may I say the foot washing was a symbol of the greater act that Jesus would perform on Good Friday. Just as Jesus stepped down from the table to wash their feet, so he stepped down from heaven to die for their sins. Just as Jesus took off his outer garment, so he took off his robes of glory in heaven where he was eternally at the Father's side. Just as he wrapped a towel around his waist, so he became human to be our servant. Just as he bent low to wash their feet, so he died on a cross to save us from sin. This is the extent of Jesus' love for us. This is the basis for all our worship, all our service, sacrifice, and discipleship. We love him because he first loved us. First John chapter 4, verse 19. Do you know this morning that Jesus loves you? It might sound like such a basic question. May you feel the love of Jesus so deeply. May you and I experience it so richly. May we wake up every morning knowing that we are loved with such an everlasting, wide, deep, long, and high love that we can't help but worship. We can't help but serve. Our weakness is the spontaneous overflow of hearts that have been ravished by the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen.